What is going on, everybody? And welcome back to another edition of Top Rank Unboxed. It's your boy, Ricky, and I'm here with my co-host, Jalen. And we have a very special guest with us today. We're super excited to introduce Oscar Valdez on the Unboxed pod today. Oscar is 30 and one. He is a former two-weight world champ, and he will be fighting in a rematch against Adam Lopez on the Haney Loma undercard. Oscar, how is camp going? Because I know you're in Mexico. How's it going? It's a pleasure to be with you guys. Um, everything's gone well. You know, right now I'm very excited. I'm happy. You know, I'm very um, anxious to come back. You know, boxing is my, it's my life. It's my world. This is what is what I'm most passionate about. Um, being in the ring, fighting for, for my fans. You know, I've been fighting ever since I was eight years old, and and this is my longest layoff. You know, it's, today is the one year that uh, from my last fight. So. Just hungry to come to come back, come back strong, and um, I'm happy to be in the gym. Just can't wait. You know, um, May uh, 20th, we're gonna we're gonna be back in the ring, and can't wait to show you guys a good fight. And you usually do camp in San Diego, right? Yes, it's usually in San Diego. Um, it all depends where where my trainer Eddie Reynoso wants to go. So we train in San Diego, also we train here in Guadalajara. So um, either or places where we're always up and down. Yeah, and how is how does camp differ from Mexico to here in the states? Um, it's different. It's different. I mean, it's different, but at the same time, it's kind of the same because um, it doesn't matter where I train. If it's San Diego, if it's Hermosillo, it could be um, in China. It's to the gym, work hard, then go back to to the apartment, sleep, and rest up for for next session. So um, it's a little bit the same, but at the same time, uh, I like it a little bit more here in Guadalajara due to the fact that it's higher elevation, higher altitude. Here in um, in Guadalajara, so it, it helps me um, get more conditioned by the time I fight. So that's one of the keys that I like. I like the I got I've been coming here to Guadalajara since I was a little kid. You know, I'm, I'm originally from Nogales, Sonora, but there's a lot of tournaments here in Guadalajara. So I'm very familiar with Guadalajara, and I got a lot of friends here. So there's a lot of sparring partners. So I also like that. In fact, there's a lot of sparring partners. Um, the food over here is amazing. It's, it's, I feel like it's easier to to maintain my diet for, for fruits and vegetables. It's uh, more fresh over here, so it just um, helps on my on my on my diet, making weight easier. And overall, it's just cheaper. Camp is cheaper. That's that's a good thing. So it's very expensive. California is crazy expensive. California's uh, those rent the the, the rent is it's crazy. So Horrible. definitely love love it here in Guadalajara being way cheaper. Yeah, Jalen's a California girl, so yeah, she gets, she knows it. Oh my yeah. God, I was living in LA, and that <laughs> this was, was crazy. Uh, the, crazy. The rent over there is just it's, it's unbelievable. It's so, absurd. So yeah, yeah, definitely love it here more. Yeah, that's funny that you say it's easier to maintain your diet in Mexico because I mean it makes sense. Like the food is the produce is a lot fresher there, but I would have thought it would be harder because I would be going for like all the carne asada and everything with all the seasoning and yeah, I don't you know would imagine you... that because uh, yeah, there's. there's First of all, it's carne asada everywhere. You can go to the streets, you can you can smell the tacos everywhere. You can smell the it's just the food, all variety of food. But that's the same in the states where I go everywhere I go. You know, I like smell. I can see you. you, you, you if, I'm, if I'm in California, if I drive through a, a In and Out, you can smell the In and Out. So that's true. It's kind of the same, but <laughs> that's the reason why. You know, that's one of the reasons why I train. Then I go directly to 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 the apartment to rest up. You know, we always got to diet. We we go to the Supermarket, get as much as we can to stay at the house. You know, um, obviously, I got my, I got my, my, my guy, my cousin Baba Valdez, who 
was always with me. He goes out, gets all the, the groceries, and we come back. And, uh, well, he comes back. I just go back from, from the gym, and um, I have everything here. So there's no need for me to be outside. So, so yeah, it, it makes it easier. But um, I understand that going out to the streets right here, it's, everything smells so delicious. But over time, you get used to it. And you, you learn that mind is powerful. You know how to block yourself from, from temptation of food. Uh, the diet can become way easier. What was it like growing up in Nogales? It was, it was definitely way different, way different than, than, than here. You know, it's just, um, like I said, I had a, a strict childhood life. Um, you know, a lot of people who don't know my father, my father is the one who got me into, into the game of boxing, into all the sports he put me on. But my, my father is a very military style guy. So um, Nogales, just like a lot of places, man, there was a lot of gangs, you know, obviously uh, being that it's the border of, uh, of the United States and Mexico, there's a lot of uh, drug lords, you know, the mafia. And, you know, you can easily get uh, get the wrong route in a spot like Nogales, somewhere similar to Agua Prieta, to Tijuana, and all these um, border line um, is... You can easily end up in the on the wrong side, but having a father like my dad, you know, having someone like him um, definitely saved my life because he was always very strict. You know, um, obviously you go out with your friends, and you always wanted to go out with the with the friends and the next door neighbor, with my friends, and my father was always very strict about not getting into gangs and not following the footsteps of a lot of people who who ended up in a bad situation. So. Um, I could say I had a good child, uh, childhood, but uh, it was very strict, a very strict lifestyle that I had with my father. But that's the reason why I am the person that I am today because every day waking up early before school. So I used to go to school at seven in the morning. So I had to wake up at 5.30 to go run, then come back, get ready to go to school, come back and then go to the gym again. And that was just my lifestyle as a kid. You know, um, a lot of my cousins, a lot of my friends, you know, they, they, they went out for birthday parties and they went out to different events. And that wasn't the case with me. My, 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 my lifestyle was waking up early to run, going to school, come back and going to boxing again. But all that was thanks for my father. So, so yeah, that's how it was. That's, that's the sacrifices of a champion right there. And I look at you, you're, you're one of the you know best guys in boxing right now. Uh, talk about the first time your pops put the gloves on you. Do you remember that time? Oh, I remember. I remember like it was yesterday because my father always, um, always tried to try to push sports into me. Um, we did, uh, we did everything, you know, we did baseball, we did track. I was in, I was in, um, swimming classes. Um, what I know, soccer, we did, we did everything. But the, the one sport, that, the, the two sports that I fell in love with was, uh, baseball and boxing, but boxing was the last sport he put me in. You know, um, my, my dad was a baseball player himself, so I used to follow him to a baseball game. Then he then he continued going to to a boxing gym, and um, I just followed my dad's footsteps. I was just going with him everywhere. You know, obviously, um, I was very attached to my father. Where uh, my, my father and my mother had four four kids, and including myself, and and I was the one that was the one who was always with them. So everywhere everywhere my father went, I went. So I followed him to a boxing gym, and that was the first time. I was eight years old, and we put the gloves on for the first time. And there was kids there. You know, there's always kids in the boxing gym. And we put the gloves on. We got into a sparring session, and I loved it. For, for the first time, putting the gloves 
uh, sparring. We did all right. I remember being doing all right. I remember, I remember being excited because I, I gave the kid a bloody nose. And in my mind, as an eight-year-old, I thought I won because I gave him a bloody nose. So I came off that boxing gym and I remember just thinking to myself, this is me. This is what I like to do. And I, had, I just grew that. It grew a lot of passion in me. And to this day, I still have it. To this day, I truly, you know, boxing, like I said, it's my, it's my life. It's my, you know, it's, I'm very passionate about what I do. I love being in the gym. I love fighting. I love watching fights. And, and, and I still have that passion, like I said, it's, it's when I was an eight-year-old. What was the first fight that you remember, the first, like, big fight you vividly remember watching as a kid? And you're like, damn, that's going to be me one day. Oh, Eric Morales and Marco Antonio Barrera. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, can never go wrong with that one. That, that, um, and I've said this to Marco Antonio Barrera and to Eric Morales because um, I've got the chance to meet him. Um, and I've told them both, you guys don't know what, how, you guys don't know how much you guys inspired me to be the person that I am, the, the fighter that I am, not the person, the fighter that I am, because um, I tell a lot of, I tell a lot of my sparring partners, a lot of my, my, my friends, I tell them, I, I can box too. I can, my style is to box, jab and move back and, and, and I can move around the ring and I can do a lot of those things, but it just stick, it stuck with me. When I was a kid, looking, watching those fights, Eddie Morales and Marco Antonio Barrera, I used to dream one day being a fighter like them. I used to uh, picture myself. I used to daydream. I was in school and I was daydreaming of me fighting like Eddie Morales and Marco Antonio Barrera, giving wars and, and having the people cheer for you and, and get excited. So I've got the chance to tell them both, you know, you guys don't really know how much you guys inspired me. That's that's one of the reasons why, you know, I could continue to fight and, I want to inspire the new generation of boxing the same way Eric Morales and Marco Antonio Barrera inspired me. Uh, we had just posted Hagler Hearns uh, not too long ago, and it's just, you see everybody in the comments, it's just like, it's just not like that anymore. Guys, just don't come out and just start winging away. What are your, what are your thoughts on that, though? If a guy is ready to come at you and just from round one, what's your thoughts on that? So I love it. Me personally, I love it. Um, if, we, if I could choose... A fighter to come to, I, I'd rather say, let's stay sort of total toe right here and let the best man win. But, you know, the game has changed. Like we know, you know, the, the fighters are smarter now. You know, the, the art of hitting and not hitting. You know, like Muhammad Ali started that. You could say yeah, Muhammad Ali did that perfectly. But, yeah, people love that style of Hagler and, 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 and Tommy Hearns, Roberto Duran. Those, so I think those were the glory days because of the, the the divisions were stacked and everybody fought everybody. But um yeah, we we missed those days for sure. I mean, I were those don't weren't my days, but I've I've always been I've always watched boxing, I've always boxed tape, watched tapes of boxing. And and if I could pick up uh, the best era, I will, I will pick the, the 80s, where it was uh Marvelous Hagler, Tommy Hearns, and Marvelous Hagler, Sugar Ray Leonard. Those were those were fights that people love to watch. And you don't see it nowadays. I think that the reason why is because uh the new generation believes that you have to protect your undefeated record. That's I think the biggest that's issue in boxing. It's a uh, Floyd kind of, kind of put that style that you you gotta you gotta defend your undefeated record, and it's true you gotta you gotta you gotta defend your undefeated record, but you also gotta fight the best. You also gotta fight the best, and a lot of times now with you're not sometimes not even the, the fighters fault, it's, or even the promoters. You know you got TV uh, networks that are involved and. It just makes it tougher for fighters to fight other fighters. And that's why 
you don't see those fights no more as Matt, but like you said, Marvelous Hagler and Tommy Hearns, Roberto Duran, Sugar Ray Leonard, because of uh, politics, politics and the fighters who, who try to defend their undefeated record. But um, I feel like this might be changing a little bit. You know, yeah, especially just, after last weekend. We just the, saw it fight, you know, yeah. that everybody was waiting for that. But I, I do feel that it has to come from the fighters as well. They want to have it and try to push it a little bit more. But hopefully, you know, boxing changes again to, to those type of styles because that's what people like to see. We want to see a Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence. We want to see those mega fights. But um, it's just hard to, to, to pick one thing. It's not the fighter's fault. Well, it's not completely the fighter's fault. It's not completely the, the, the promoter's fault. It's not completely the, the network fault. It's a little bit combination of everything and why these fights don't occur. Yeah, uh, it's it's tough, man. Like boxing has been shooting itself in the foot for a while. There's a lot of networks, a lot of politics, a lot of it's a lot of business before it's a sport, and we all know that it's it's a lot of it's changed since the '80s when everything was under under uh, one umbrella and there was only like two promoters. Now you got like twenty different promoters. But we wanted to kind of go back a little bit and dive in, you know, in the, your amateur career. You had a very decorated amateur career. You fought in the Pan Am Games, fought in the World Championships, you fought in. Uh, 2008 and 2012 Olympics. Um, Do you ever have a moment through that time period where you were just going through all these big time tournaments and you just, you had that moment like, I'm going to be, this is for me. I'm going to be a world champ. I'm going to be one of the greatest of all time. Yeah, it happened. It came to my mind a lot of times, but mostly when I was, when I first started, you know, when I was, since I was a little kid, eight years old, nine year old, 10, 11 year old, during that age, you know, I just kept on telling myself, you know, one day I'm a world champion. I would look at fighters like Marco Antonio Barrera, Eri Morales, Juan Manuel Marquez, Oscar de la Hoya. Even though Julio Chavez wasn't in my days, I used to always see tapes of him. I used to always tell myself, one day I'm going to be world champion. But the one thing that I always wanted when I was a kid was to go to Olympics. Every four years, we used to, I, used, I, I would watch the Olympics. And I would watch track. I would watch swimming. Uh, uh, and I would watch uh, boxing, obviously. You know, I watched all these sports. And there was something about the Olympics that I always, you know, would, would attract my attention. So my goal was definitely to go to Olympics. That was my that was my main goal. Obviously, to win the gold medal. That's what we always wanted. But, um, yeah, going to the first Olympics was, was something crazy for me because you dream of something ever since you were a little kid and you finally achieve it. And the odds of you doing it are very slim. You know, being realistically, you tell a kid, hey, what do you want to do? You know, I want to go to Olympics. Well, the odds of that happening is very slim. But if you if you put your mind to it, you put the, the, the you know the, the effort, you go through discipline, you dream about it every day, odds get better. And that's what we did. You know, we work hard at fought. I had a lot of amateur fights before, you know, trying out for the for the for the team. And odds for me, uh, a young kid fighting someone like Carlos Cuadras, who was already a Pan American champion, were very slim. But we work hard every day to we we eventually became we beat someone like Carlos Cuadras, and we beat we got the gold medal in the national team, and we got the chance to represent our country in the Olympics. So going to Olympics was one of the best experiences of my life. You know, going there and and representing your country, putting the, the Mexico shirt and fighting and having your whole country watch you fight. You know, even though we lost, 
in both Olympics, you know, we we didn't we didn't get the what we wanted. We wanted the gold medal, and we wanted to, to even medal, be in the podium, even though we didn't we didn't achieve that. Having the whole country um, seeing you fight and seeing that you give it your best was just amazing. Was just a beautiful experience for me, and that opened up the doors to go as professional. So when I was in Olympic. When I was going through, 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 through that phase of going through Central American Games, Pan American Games, and all these world championships, I wasn't thinking about the professional world. I was strictly concentrating on the Olympics. When the Olympics were done, that's when I started, started telling myself, all right, the next goal, and then my next big dream is to become a world champion. So we started out from zero again. I um, went to Olympics at, when I was 17 years old, and then the next one when I was 21 years old. So starting at 21 professional, that was like a, a new beginning for me. And my dream was to become a world champion. And I thank the Lord. I thank God that that dream became true in 2016. So how did you end up with top rank? Like, how was the first conversation? Because you were highly sought after as an amateur. There was a lot of people. You were like the most sought after guy on the Mexican team. Yeah, well, uh, um. So when I came back from the Olympics, uh, you know, it was a it was a very it was a good fight that we had in the, in the, in the Olympics against Ireland. You know, we lost to get the, the the bronze medal, and it was very controversial because I dropped my opponent with a body shot, so I caused a lot of noise. You know, people, you know, came back to Mexico and everybody was cheering for me, saying that we got robbed, saying this and that. And there was high um, high hopes for me. You know, everybody received me with open arms. And then after that caught the attention of promoters, you know, all the promoters started reaching out to me. But I was always, uh, I was already a fan of Top Rank because Top Rank had a lot of history. Top Rank, you know, uh, managed and promoted uh, the great Muhammad Ali, promoted uh, guys like Floyd Mayweather, even Oscar De La Hoya went through Top Rank. And at the time, you know, he had Miguel Cotto, he got um, Pacquiao, he got uh, Top Rank had uh, Timothy Bradley, and there was just a lot of big names in top rank. So I was kind of a fan of top rank. And, and we knew, you know, I always wanted to be a fighter like, like, like those. So I knew top rank was the, was a better option for me. And, you know, um, we sat down with top rank, you know, I felt a good vibe because I'm about, I'm a lot about vibrations is how, how do I feel the guys in front of me? And, you know, I just love Bob's vibration, love the Todd buff and, and top rank in general. And we decided to go with top rank. And I'm still, to this day, I'm still happy with them. You know, I'm thankful for Top Rank for giving me the, the shot because there's a lot of fighters over here in Mexico who wish to have been with a promoter like Top Rank. You know, you got to, sometimes you got to sign a, a local promoter to get to Top Rank. And, and you will never um, get the same, the same uh, treatment that Top Rank offers you if you're not directly with them. So, you know, I'm very happy we made that decision going with Top Rank and, to this day, I'm still happy with them. And I thank, thank God and thank Top Rank for, for putting great fights in front of me and, and making me into a champion. Yeah, speaking of a champion, your first world title win was in 2018 against Matias Rueda. Talk about that feeling of knocking him out and then they put the belt over you. Like, what was what was going through your mind in that moment that you actually accomplished that? Man, a lot of, a lot of emotions were going through my mind when I won the first first world champion man i couldn't believe it it was 2016 it was for the it was 16 not 18 no it was 16 it was 16 excuse me and um it was Terrence crawford against um victor postol 
and uh, that so that 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 chat that opportunity came. I was uh, so I was ranked number one, and then Matias Real was ranked number two. And the champion at the time was Vasily Lomachenko. But Vasily Lomachenko goes up to division, goes up to another division to the 130, and he leaves the the, the division vacant. So me being ranked number one and Matias Real ranked number two we fight for the making world title, the WBO world title. And I can, I can feel it. I remember training hard and just tasting it, having, uh, having this sensation that is my, my dream to become a world champion is so close. And man, we work hard. We work hard for all the fights. Ever since I was an amateur, you know, people who know me, the trainers who know me know that I work hard. You know, I, I give them my best every day in the gym. Um, if I have energy to go out to the store and walk you know, or do something else and training, it means I didn't train hard in, in the gym. You work hard, and you give it your best, and you come back to, to your apartment, wherever you're staying at, and strictly to rest. But for that camp, for the world title fan, for the, for, for the world title fight, I was very focused, very, very focused. And there was nothing, nothing else in my mind that, that I was almost touching that belt. So... I feel that that night, nobody could have beat me. Nobody could have beat me because I was very focused. I was well prepared. I was, you know, I was, I was fighting for that dream that since I was a little kid, I wanted. So I just went in there, like, with the mentality of that I'm going to eat you alive. And that's what we did. We, we went, I gave it everything, you know, we could take it to the body, throwing left hooks over our right hand, and everything was landing. I was, I was, just, I was, I was telling myself, stay focused, stay focused, because I could see it in his eyes and the punches were hurting him until eventually um, caught him with that body shot that, you know, made him take a knee. And even right there, I was telling myself, stay relaxed because everything could happen. You know, if you go too crazy, you catch him with a, with a crazy shot and the fight could be over and then you lose your opportunity. So I was just very focused and, and yeah, we got it. And the next body shot hit him, it was done. You see, he took another knee and he called it. I was so focused. I remember that night that, that when I was a little kid, I used to always dream that Michael Buffer was would announce my fights. I was so focused that I swear that the whole time when I went in the ring, I did not know that Michael Buffer was the one who announced me. He said, from Nogales, Sonora, Oscar, Valdez, you put it in, let's get ready to rumble, everything. And I didn't hear it. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't even see him. That's how focused I was on, on just winning the fight. And he announced me winning and everything, and not a, it didn't even, I didn't even remember seeing him. That's how focused I was. I was crying. I was, I was enjoying. I was, uh, a lot of emotions going through my mind. I remember hugging my father a lot because, obviously, it's, it's a, it's a one-man sport, they, they call it, because you're alone in the ring. But it's a team. It's a strong team. And the number one guy who's always believed in me, who's very been strict and who's always, um, he's never sugarcoated nothing, who's always been, direct with me. If you had a bad day, you had a bad day. If you look like you look like shit, you look like shit. If you you know if you did good, you did all right. He was always very strict with me. But that day my dad was it was very emotional. So then that brought, you know, me obviously me winning, having my father in my corner and, and just telling ourselves that we did it. We we, we did it. It was, was one of the most amazing experiences. It was it's up there with being an Olympian being the world uh, champion for the first time was the highest things that um that I've that I've gone through in my life. 
Now, you said your pops was always strict with you your whole life. Was it kind of weird for you in that moment to see him that vulnerable with you in that moment? Was it a surprise? Yes and no, because, uh, you know, we have a, me and my father have a very strange relationship. He's very strict with me. So he doesn't really show his emotions, but every time I'm in a fight, he shows his emotions. He tells me, you know, he says it's not easy as a, as a father to see his kid, you know, go up, to, go to a ring and risk his life and then maybe getting hit. It's not easy for him, even though he always keeps a straight face, you know, it's always very serious. He um, obviously he has a he has a heart, and he tells me that, but he only shows it to me when I'm a fight. So it wasn't even the, it wasn't the fact that it was only for a world title. Every single fight that I have ever since you know I was an amateur, I could see it. So it was um, it was uh, very emotional that that, that day that we, we made it because it's because it was our, our it was both of our dreams. But though I can truly say that the very the few times that I see his emotions are only when we're in the ring together. It's the only times you're gonna see me and him, who, who are hugging that in that same way. Because after that, we you know it's just father and son love. You know, it's very military. It's, it's a very yes sir type of thing. Yeah, I know you said you he, you see a lot of his emotions in these in some of these fights. Now, if we're talking about let's say the Scott Quigg fight, I can only imagine his reaction because that was a, that was a war, bro. Like that was such a war. Talk about you know when you broke your jaw in that fight. Did did you feel it when it happened or? You couldn't feel it because all the adrenaline. No, was no, I, I get that question a lot because we all know that adrenaline takes the takes the pain away, you know, in some sense, and it does. But um, when he caught me in that fifth round, you know, he caught me clean over right hand. That was my fault because I threw the jab and I, I came back with, with my hands down and my mouth open. So he caught me in, in my my jaw and just broke it in half, bro, broke, and. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, it's broken. I remember, and I remember saying to myself, because before, prior to that fight, I remember saying, I'm going to break his jaw. I remember telling my team, I'm going to break his jaw and go figures. You know, that thing was a, it was a test from, from God or something because he caught me clean and he broke. And I remember telling myself, man, why did I say that? <laughs> and, I, and it was something crazy because I thought you can locate your, your, your jaw back because I've seen before where some people dislocate their shoulder and they put it back together. For some crazy reason, I thought in, in the fight that I could probably put it back together. But um, <laughs> but just going back to, to the corner, sitting down, and, and I told my dad, my pal, I told him, hey, pal, me chimolaki And my dad looked at me with frightened eyes. You know, that's, and that's one thing that I said. I, I never see my dad scared or worried. You know, even in tough situations, he always has a straight face. Never worried. And I remember looking at my eyes, and but estás bien, mijo? I remember saying yes, but I don't know what I was saying. You know, you know, because my dad said, "You want to like estás bien?" I said, "Yeah," but at that time, you know, you only got one minute of rest, and you had you got. I had my trainer at the time, Manny Robles, was telling me instructions. So I'm hearing him, then I'm hearing Miguelito Diaz, who's a cut man, trying to trying to stop the bleeding, and I got my father, and these three persons are talking. But I'm talking to myself, so it's a lot of people talking at the same time. I wasn't paying attention to nothing. I was just paying attention to my, to, to what I was telling myself. And my, my questions were, am I going to stop the fight? Or is my trainer going to stop the fight? Because I remember uh, as a team talking about tough fights, and remember them saying that if we're ever in a tough situation, that they're going to be obligated to stop the fight because you know they don't want to see their fighter being hurt. So I remember thinking about that, that my trainer is like, 
You know, is my is my trainer Manny Robles gonna stop the fight? Is my father gonna stop the fight? Is the is the referee gonna stop the fight? Because the referee also passes by to see to check the corner, or should I stop the fight? Because obviously I want to last in boxing, and for me to to last in boxing, you gotta get hit and not take a lot of damage during your career. So when I was thinking all those things, what was gonna happen? You hear the ten seconds where where it's a, where it's time for the for the team to go to leave, and you have to get up and got to go for, uh, to fight. So while I'm thinking all these, a 10-second countdown goes, and everybody has to leave, and they leave, and that was one of the most frightening things that you can have the best corner, man. You can have, you can have, uh, you can have Mike Tyson in your corner, but at the end of the day, you're by yourself inside the ring. And when they left, I remember thinking, what's going to happen? So by the time I had to think, the, the bell rang again, and we had to go. So I said, all right, I'm going to take it one more round. So I remember going to going to that next round and, and I remember fighting through it. And the, once thing you know, the, the bell rang again. So I said to myself, all right, I'm just gonna take it round by round, see what happens. And, and that's how we that's what I did. That's what we did. Um every punch that he would land hurt it a lot. It was like a volume of, of pain just goes a lot. And then when there was no pain, no, no shots, the pain would, would leave through to through to uh, the adrenaline. But there was a lot of punches landing. There was a lot of punches landing. I remember in the tenth round, um, we were dominating. I feel like I was winning the fight, even though it was a bloody mess. His nose was broken, my jaw was broken. There was just a lot of blood everywhere. I remember holding him, clinching, trying to be, um, you know, buy some time. And he puts his hands up and he tries to push me away, but he does. He didn't know that I, he had broken my jaw. He, he never. He never realized that he had, that he had broken my jaw too later in the fight. Too later when the fight was over. So what he does, he puts my hand, he puts his hands in my face and tries to push me away because I was holding him. And while he does that, I, can, I hear it crack two more times. Oh I felt he broke it. was him pushing and you can see it in the video. After he pushes me, you can see my jaw even, even more twisted to a side. I remember thinking to myself, man, this, this sucks. <laughs> you know, it sucks. It sucks. Like, this is horrible. I remember a couple of times hurting him. And I'm telling him to myself, man, why is he not, why does he not go down? But for people who don't know, he um he came overweight for that fight. He was three pounds over, um, three pounds over, and in the di- the night of a fight, I believe it was like one forty seven, something crazy. I don't know the exact, but he was something crazy, um, high in weight. So every shot that I was landing, I would kind of hurt him, but he wouldn't go down. And I would tell him, man, why didn't you just go down? He just kept on coming forward and forward, landing those shots. And like I said, every shot that landed, a lot of pain would go, and then it would go away. But um, in the 10th round, like I said, he, he broke it a little bit more because he pushed me away. And then, yeah, and, um, the championship rounds at 12 and 11 and 12, I remember um, hearing Miguelito Diaz say that, you know, um, he said something about, um, your tooth fell. He said, like, no. I believe it was in the 11th round, he said, your, your tooth fell. So I, when I was in the, when I was sitting down from, from fifth and to on, I knew my jaw was broken. Then in the 11th round, when I sat down, he said, oh, your tooth fell, because that's what he saw. He saw that I was missing a tooth. But, but what, it, what it really was was that my jaw was split open. Oh, so he thought, he thought it was oh, like, so that my tooth had fallen. So when he says that, I thought to myself, oh, man, I'm stupid. I thought I, this whole time <laughs> I had my jaw broken. It is just the tooth that fell. So that gave me a lot more confidence. Was, oh, man, I thought I had my jaw broken. So I'm going to stay in there. Oh, interesting. Because my tooth can fall. No pasa nada. No, I don't have my job broken. <laughs> For the 11th round and 12th round, I fought thinking that my job wasn't broken. 
So by the time wow, the fight was I did over, not know that. I was happy because um, you know, when going to twelve rounds is it's, it's one of the best experience because it's it's not easy. Obviously, it's um you go through a lot of pain, endurance, and and it's not easy to go twelve rounds. So going to twelve rounds, I feel like sometimes it's even better feeling than just knocking out your opponent. So I was happy. You know, I knew we won the fight. And I remember telling my dad, just looking at me scared, worried. And my cousin Bubba looking worried. My manager, Frank Espinosa, they were like, they all kept looking at me like, like something was bad. And I remember hugging my my, my, my pa and I, that, and I said, ah, pa, it's crazy. I thought, I, I thought the guy broke my jaw. And my pa looks at me scared. He goes, like, no es quebrada, you, 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 it is broken. <laughs> and I knew it, man. I this whole time. I was just, who the fuck? Diaz, like. But it was a good, it was a good, it was a good thing because uh, when he said that, I thought, oh, it's not broken. So I got to fight a little bit more comfortable. So we got the victory, man. We got the victory. I was very happy. I'm thinking, so when I go to camp, I leave my family away. You know, my family, everyone, you know, kids, everything. I don't see them for two months. So but every time I fight, I don't want to party. You know, I don't want to do nothing. I, all I want to do is maybe get a burger and go directly to to Tormosillo where my family lives. And I'm, I'm like, oh man, so my jaw's broken. Um, I'm happy, I'm celebrating, I'm, I'm gonna get it, you know, for some reason I thought it was just stitches. I'm gonna get stitches very quick and I'm gonna get on the first flight and I'm gonna go directly to Tormosillo to see my family. And I don't know what, well, you know, the fight was tough, but what was tougher was the aftermath of what happened. The recovery, happened. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I was gonna ask. Yeah, 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 yeah. How, how crappy was it? Sure bad because you you fight and you dehydrate it and you, you go through two months of diet what do you want to do you want to go home you live in an abstinence camp you want to go home to your wife but you want to go eat too because you're hungry you you've been you've been sacrificing two months of diet you want to drink water you're dehydrated and i couldn't eat and i couldn't drink water because they put me well first we'll go back we put us in the ambulance that was a shocking moment because um, obviously we're happy we won the fight, but then to get you out of the the, the arena, they have to put you on a they got they have to Stretcher. put you on the, an ambulance. Stretcher. Stretcher. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Um, when I sat down, you know, immediately everybody started crying. My teammates were crying. My sister was crying. You know, my father had had a sad face. He like worried. So I was like, man, I remember telling him, "Come out, man, we won." I'm gonna see you guys over there. We're gonna we're gonna go do this as them. Once we got in the in the in the, in the ambulance, it, it turned lonely very quick. You know, everybody's with you, and all of a sudden it's lonely. I'm just looking at myself and looking at my father. Was, my father was the only guy with me. I had my jaw broken, and you know, my my phone was blowing up. My phone my phone was blowing up. I didn't I didn't imagine what was going on because for me it was just a normal night of boxing, but. That day, I felt that I graduated from for the fans because the fans. But I feel like boxing is very, it's a very tough sport because it's very hard to convince a boxing fan. Um, sometimes you need to show a, a war, or sometimes you got to show a bloody fight. Sometimes you got to have a knockout resume. But that night, I felt that everybody was happy for the fight, and my phone was blowing up. I was having celebrities text me through my DMs and everybody texting me and my family and friends and pop. So fast forward when I'm in the in the hospital, it's like a day later because they had me a whole day in the hospital dehydrated because if you're going to go through surgery, you can't drink water 
or eat because you could, surgery you can throw on. So I had it like a full day off, uh, just dehydrated, sucked. Um, the doctor comes in and tells me the procedure. He tells me everything. Look, we're gonna, we're gonna, you're gonna go to sleep. You know, we're gonna tie your your, your mouth. You're not gonna be able to talk. You're gonna have, we're gonna we're gonna sew your mouth with wires. Mm-hmm. He said all that, but it came through one year and led to another because I was on the phone. I was on the phone the whole time because I was I was uh, full of emotions. I was euphoria. Everybody was texting me and it's el campeón. You're the warrior. You're this. You're that. And, and I was feeling it, man. I was man. Everybody loves me right now. So, <laughs> with your quijada all like yeah, broken, you're like that. I, was, <laughs> but I, I had a, my my jaw was broken in two right here, so I couldn't really talk. But the doctor was telling me everything, and I kept on saying, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." And looking at my phone, and he was explaining to me, and I was yeah, yeah, and looking at my phone. And then surgery goes, and once they you know I'm, I'm asleep. So picture, I'm just I'm looking at my phone. I'm, I'm looking at. It. Then all of a sudden, all right, give me your phone. We're gonna go. All right, took the phone. I'm asleep. I wake up and I couldn't open my mouth. Oh my god, that's a, I didn't hear them. They were gonna shut my mouth. I thought they were just gonna they were gonna stitch my my mouth right here from the bottom, but my mouth was shut. And this is very common as boxers. We can't breathe through one nose. But if I sit right here and try to breathe, I can't breathe through one nose. So that's, that's horrible. That's, horrible. You should get that fixed. But oh having your mouth shut and only having to breathe through one nostril is scary because you can't catch your you can't catch your complete breath. So if anybody out there listening, you can try to try to breathe through one nostril only. It, it gets very hard after a while. That's like so scary. So yeah, what, it's like suffocating. Literally. But I wouldn't I would have known that if I would have paid attention to a doctor. <laughs> so I wake up and my mouth is shut and I started panicking. I started panicking. I wanted to, I wanted to grab my, my mouth and open it, rip it apart, but I couldn't because it's wired through your gums. It's, it's, it's wired through your gum to shut it so you don't so it doesn't move your your, your jaw. And the, those two next days were one of the hardest things in my life because I, I was telling myself, I was by myself in my room. My, my family was barely uh, driving from Hermosillo to California to go visit me because I, I was supposed to go back, catch a flight back. So they were coming and I miss my, my family, my kids. I miss, I miss everybody. And I had my mouth shut. And, and that night, it was very lonely. I was by myself in my room. It was just me and my cousin, uh, Bubba in the next room, but I remember telling myself, like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die because I couldn't breathe. I remember I couldn't sleep. Just looking at myself, man, this is the day where I die. It sucks because I just had the fight in my life. And right now, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to suffocate. I'm going to suffocate. Um, I can't eat. I can't drink water. Well, I can drink water. What water we have, but I couldn't eat. I was hungry as hell. Very hungry. But um, and I and I miss my family. It's one thing I miss my mom. I miss before I leave. I want to see my family because I was panicking. Very, I, I had an anxiety attack. Was that's what it was. People, I didn't I didn't know what anxiety was to that night. After I mean, I, I knew what it was after that night. And um, yeah, I was just thinking to myself, man, this is it. I'm gonna die right here. I just had the fight of my life. And I'm gonna die. But I lasted the night. You know, first like. As, as much as I could, I found a way how to breathe through one nostril, and and I, I made it through the night. Then, um, then the journey starts for the next for the next two months. That's how I was, um, not able to eat, 
just having to blend uh, potatoes and blend uh, eggs and do a lot of protein shakes. And that was the worst because um, I lost a lot of weight, but not just a lot of weight. I lost a lot of muscle mass uh, because of that, because you know, I couldn't train. I couldn't, I couldn't eat. I couldn't do nothing. So it was two months that just sitting there looking at everybody eat. And the, the, the worst part of everything was, was, was everybody feeling sorry for you. You know, I don't want, I don't want anybody to feel sorry for me. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a man. I'm a, I'm a fighter. You know, you go through, you go through shit in life as man. That's what we do. You know, suck it up. But when someone feels sorry for you, like your wife or your mother and, and your friends and, Oh, pobrecito. It's like, nah, get away. So they, they would, we would do carnazadas in my house and, and they, they wouldn't want to eat. They wouldn't want to eat because, of, because it felt bad for me. And that, that would piss me off. I said, man, you guys better eat. Come on. Because, you know, that's what it's for. You know, that's what the family routine is here for. We gotta, everybody got to eat. And what they had to do there is to get a plate and they would go around the house and go somewhere else and hide from me to eat and it was like oh man i hate that like, I because we wasn't the same environment we, as i'm used to we used to fight i'm used to fighting then we go back home we throw carnassada you know got the uncles got the cousins got the little got the kids everywhere running and everybody's eating some people are drinking on the side some people are just enjoying themselves and that's that's what i like that's what i enjoy but when i was with my mouth mouth wired none of that was happening it was just everybody was in a sad environment sad um sad um the energy just felt wasn't there so those two months man it sucked it sucked and and, and then then one thing was going to know i was like all right when they take the wires off i'm gonna eat this i'm gonna eat that i'm gonna go get a burger i'm gonna get in and now i'm gonna eat a pizza i'm gonna get some tacos and then they take the wires off and they don't tell you this but it's uh your, your, your jaw it's uh it's a muscle so when they take it off the, you, you try to open your mouth, you can't open your mouth. You can hardly you, open it. You got to train it to do it again, right? So you got to, you got to oh, take like another extra nice two thing. days for me to stretch my muscles to be able to eat. So I, when I, they take my, my, my wires off and I'm like, oh my, eat this. And I, eat. I remember getting a burger and being so pissed off that I squished it, squished it, and just shoved it as much as I can through my mouth. And little by little, I ate it like a duck. I was eating like a duck. I had to put my face up and <laughs> had the mud, the, the food just go down. It sucked, man, but it's part of the game. It's part of boxing. You know, sometimes, you know, shit happens like that. And you got to be willing to do this, man. I heard Jovin will say something last uh, last time, a couple of days ago. He said, you got to be willing to die for this. And I could agree a little bit with that. I could agree with, man, you're risking your life in there. And maybe I wouldn't have died in the ring, which has happened a lot of times in boxing. Unfortunately, as people have died inside the ring, but that day I was very close to death after the fight because I had my mouth wired. So, you know, you gotta be, you gotta go, you gotta be willing to go through those type of things. Only if you love, only if you love it, man. I love what I do, and if I can go back, I wouldn't change. Because a lot of people were telling me that's only your fault. People were mad at me for taking the fight. Well, not people, not not people. I take it back. My family was mad at me. They said, why'd you take that fight if you know the guy was three, three pounds over? You shouldn't have taken the fight. See what happened? He broke your jaw. This happened. And I said, and I always, my answer was always the same. If I can go back in time, I wouldn't change nothing because that's the fight that 
that brought me more fans or brought me more people or people accepted me as a fighter because there was always that comment where, you know, um, yeah, he's good, but he doesn't have this. Yeah, he's good, but he doesn't have that. Yeah, he's good, but does he have heart? Does he have what it takes to, to be a champion? And after that night, I felt like I got a, the acceptance of a lot of boxing fans. Like I said, boxing fans are the hardest to convince. And after that night, I felt like I convinced a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, I will say I still remember watching that live with my dad and we were both like looking at each other the whole time. Like, this is crazy. This is one of the best fights. Like this Oscar Valdez kid is so good. Like he's so crazy. So you're right. It's just it's, I guess it's a sacrifice you have to make on your part, you know, to to bring a, a really good fight. And I'll never forget that fight, you know, and I, I was I didn't have to go through anything you did, but I loved that fight. Yeah. I still love it. I still watch and, and it. It is crazy because you forget these fights. You know, I, like for instance, we're talking right now, and and that fight's in the past. As as a good trainer of mine said, you know, Brother Bonilla, let his soul rest in peace. He told me you can't live with the past. You can't live with those those glory days. You gotta always go always look for more. And I forget about those fights, you know, and you know, and it once. I'm always happy when I hear these type of comments, when I go out through somewhere and someone reminds me, I was like, hey, remember when you fought Scott Quigg? You know, it was crazy. And I was like, oh, man, it's true. And it was, those were crazy, crazy days. And the, and the night in general was crazy because uh, I found out that I truly have some fans. At the time, you know, every fan that was there present, I thanked them a lot because um, that night was raining and a lot of people left. And the people who saw that fight Live, I, my heart goes to him and thank you because uh, it was raining and it was cold. And the, pad, the the fans who stayed there to watch it was just like, oh man, I got some fans, you know, people, people, people stay here in the rain to, just to watch me fight. So the night was, it was a magical night, you know, with the jaw, with the, with the whole thing, him not making way, that it was raining. We had to go out to the fight with it. We had, they had to put some, some plastic bags over our shoes so the shoes don't get <laughs> inside the ring. So everything was just crazy. And then going through the through the ambulance, everything was just crazy. But it was a it was an unbelievable night. It was very magical. And like I said, that's where I started hearing this word a lot. Guerrero. It's un guerrero. It's un guerrero. And then in boxing, you don't call anybody a guerrero. Just anybody. And not anybody, just a guerrero. You call somebody like my idols, Eddie Morales and Marco Antonio Barrera. Those are guerreros. Those are warriors. So after the fight, people started. Some people would call me Guerrero Warrior. That just brought a lot of joy to me because it was yeah. like a dream. Too. So now you know you you went through a stretch of fights. After that, you defended your featherweight title six times. You know you fought. Uh, you knocked out Rochelle. You know you fought Conceição. You you know you came up short against Shakur, but you were supposed to fight Navarrete, and now you're gonna fight Adam Lopez for a second time. How are you feeling going into May twentieth? I'm, well, I'm excited. You know, we were going to go to um, Navarrete. It was, we were supposed to fight February 3rd. We were supposed to fight. And, you know, I got a lot of heat from this. Well, I got a lot of, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of heat from this because an interview I had with ESPN. Um, yeah, with Kriegel. I remember. They were telling me what happened. And, and I, I didn't believe I said nothing wrong. You know, I broke my ribs on my back. Well, I said it wrong. I said it. I broke my back. And they started imitating yeah, Mike Tyson my, thing. I, I, you know, I thought it was funny, funny as hell. I don't really, I don't read the comments. I don't really um, usually read comments. Good for you. 
I was reading those comments because those because <laughs> I thought it was funny because you know I, it just came off wrong. I broke my ribs on my the, the ribs are on my back. That's what I two of my ribs. It was a what you call the, the freak accident. You know, a lot of my friends and a lot of people were saying, "What were you doing when going down the stairs? It was raining in Nogales." And some people will hear comments, "Man, were you drunk or were you on drugs or or did you fall off your horse or did man?" I wish so any of those would be a good would be cool because it would be at least a good story. Man, I was just coming down some stairs and it was wet and I fell and I landed hard on my back that caused me breaking my two ribs. So that's what happened. That's what happened. Um, I thought I was healed already and we were already in preparation for the Vaquero Navarrete fight and I got hit with a body shot and it was very close to my, to my ribs and it, it re-injured it again. And I remember, I remember thinking to myself, man, this sucks, man, because why is this happening to me? You know, I just had my first loss. It was been a rough year, man, because you know, there's a lot of, I, I, I hate to bring this stuff again, but me coming out positive was one of the worst things that could happen because I've never been a cheater, never been a cheater. And being accused of the, that positive thing came out and, and I was like, well, what is this? And, and oh, it's, it's the substance. It's, I can't remember the name, exact name, but oh, it's a, it's a diuretic. Helps you lose weight, supposedly. And then people will say, oh, so performing a hasn't drug. He's uh, using he's steroids. He's doing this. Some people will say I was using cocaine. And it, it just went off wrong, everything that came on. And that really hurt me. So coming off with being accused as a cheater really hurt me. One of my worst performances that I've had was against Consensal because the whole situation of, uh, of the coming out positive thing wasn't—I wasn't there to fight. It was my worst performance. Then my next fight against Shakur, I lose. Then I get to come back. I said, like, "Oh man, life is giving me another opportunity for a world title." And I break my rib. Man, what's going on? Just things through things are coming like. For like, man, this is not fair. This is not fair to me being accused of cheaters. Like, man, why? And then, and then the, the, shitty, the shitty fight that I had, then losing was, I felt the world dropped on me because you train so hard. When you, when you work so hard, everything should go off well, supposedly. If you wake up early, you train hard, and you be consistent, you discipline, and you follow your dream, over time has proven me that everything will go well. Well, it didn't go well that night with Shakur. It wasn't my night. And Shakur was just very dominant that night. And that's another thing that's bad. And then, all right, like I said, I got another opportunity. Then my rib, man, what's going on, man? Back-to-back -back things are bad are coming to me. So it was just very, I was very frustrated with the fact that, you know, you, you, I supposedly healed from that body shot, from, from the rib injury. Then I get hit with a body shot. And, man. I was very disappointed, very disappointed. And then going, being able to go to the fight by Kerna Barrete and seeing a win, I was happy that a Mexican won the fight, but that was supposed to be me fighting there. So all that happened, you know, then- uh, You're back. You're back May 20th, back. though. So yeah. right now, everything's gone well. Everything's gone well. Very positive, you know, very, very focused. Like I said, I train, come back to the house, relax, and stay focused on the game plan. Right now is to win against Adam Lopez. And Adam Lopez, you know, he got us a couple of losses, you know. Um, I beat him in 2019. And and people might say, oh, it's a walk in the park. It's an easy fight. 
I don't see it that way. I see it Adam Lopez, who, who also has a dream to become a world champion. He also has that dream that all fighters want to become a world champion. So I cannot take this fighter lightly. You know, people tell me, oh, Vaquero Navarrete, when are you going to fight him? Before I fight Vaquero Navarrete, I first got to pass through this guy. And in boxing, you can never think about another opponent when you got an opponent in front of you. That's disrespectful. And that's, that's, uh, that's a bad move because the fighter in front of you is dangerous as well. So right now I'm focused on Adam Lopez. And like I said, you know, I can't take that fighter lightly due to the fact that this fighter put me in the canvas in the first round. So right now I'm very focused on, on fighting back uh, Adam Lopez. God willing, you know, when if I order the odds, we win this fight, you know, then we'll, we'll, we'll think about Vaquero Navarrete. We won't think, we, we want to, we want Vaquero Navarrete. And it's not because Vaquero Navarrete generally, his name, but it's nothing personal with Vaquero. He just got that belt. He's got that belt and um, he's a target. He's a target for every fighter out there. Every fighter out there wants to fight Vaquero Navarrete. So God wants we win this fight. You know, my dream is to be champion at the end of this year. So I'm going to do whatever it takes, man. So one thing about touching touching low, being on the, the bottom after, you know, every, all these bad situations that happened during the last year and this year and, and all that can only mean one thing because it's only, it's only up from here. Well, nothing, but it has to be positive because, you know, I give it my best, man. I, I work hard. I work hard every single day, you know, um, what can I say? You know, I let the, let the hands do the talking or let them, my actions. If you're a person who's been around me and seen me in the gym, you'll know that I work hard. I work hard. And even when, if you see me when I'm home, man, because not you don't, you don't only train hard in the gym, you train home and home as well. Cause you gotta be focused on the, the diet. You gotta be focused on the game plan. You know, I was watching tapes. You know, I see, like I said, Chavez, I see, I'll see the Floyd Mayweather, Sugar Ray Leonard. I'll see, every type of fighter so I can continue learning and, and giving my best. So you're always, you're always training in some sense and it becomes a lifestyle. You know, you, of course, you, of course. it's a never ending thing. You know, I train, I train, you come back home, you fight and you, after you, after a fight, you just rest for a couple of days and I'm back in the gym. Cause that's like I said, man, this is, this is what I love to do. And I don't ever picture myself retiring and like that. I love the sport so much. That I hate when I hear this um, retirement because there's going to come a day where some every fighter has to retire, and you got to all think about it. But it's like I hate thinking about it. It's like, man, how can I stretch my boxing career? Well, if, if I want that to happen, I got to get hit as less possible. I got to be healthy, eating right, you know, having a clean environment around me. So. For me to do that, you have to become a lifestyle. And then, like I said, continue that fight. And then the next couple of days, I'm back in the gym because I want to continue my, my journey as a fighter. And I don't want to ever to land. Yeah, we're, you know, we're, we're excited to see you back on May 20th, champ. We don't want to take too much more of your time. We know it's your day off. So we want to give you the, the final floor and final message to the fans. Oh, man. Well, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate you guys having me here and having this on. Um, Chance to talk about this. It was very fun. It was very fun. I swear. We appreciate <laughs> you, man. We appreciate Thank God. <laughs> Glad you had a great time, Oscar. It's not because I remember, it's because I move on to the next fight. Yeah. You know? Yes. Right, 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 right. And there's, there's a saying in boxing you're only as good as your last fight. So, my last fight, 
that was I'm not, you know, how could how could I be proud of losing? So I'm not very proud of my my last performances, but so I'm working hard to come back strong. And like I said, thank you for reminding me of those good of those good fights. I'm uh, to all my fans out there, what can I say? I'm uh, just I'll never promise you guys a knockout. I'll never promise you guys uh, a fight of a year. I'll never promise you something crazy that's gonna happen in second ring. What I will always promise all my fans and everybody watching me that I will always give my best, that I will always give it my 100%. So every, every time I'm in the ring, and that's what I'm going to do. You know, the same way Marco Antonio Barrera and Eddie Morales inspired me, I'm going to do my best to inspire the next generation to you guys. So tune in, man. Tune in for this fight. You know, Adam Lopez, you know, can't take this fight lightly. I'm going to do whatever it takes to take him out. And and move on from there. Move on from there this year. Uh, my dream is to become a world champion, and I'm planning on doing it. Coming strong. I'm feeling better than ever. Physically, mentally prepared for this. And tune in, tune in because you're going to see something different. Well, appreciate you, champ. We hope you enjoy, uh, you know, the rest of camp, and we're excited to see you when you get here in Vegas. All right, brother man. Thank you, and uh, what can I say? See you, see you guys soon.